0: From the New Stock STL Studios in St. Louis, it's The Right Mind Show with Todd Showalter. On tonight's episode, we'll find out if there's racial discrimination within the St. Louis Police Department with retired Sergeant Gary Wiegert. And then political analyst Rich Rabino tells us who won the first Republican debate. And we'll have some tasty coffee talk with Kirby Newberry, the king of coffee, from DiscountCoffee.com. And the Right Mind Studio Band, Mitch Murphy and the Murphy Tones. Now, putting the fun in your dysfunctional world, here's your host, Todd Showalter. Excellent job, Joey. As always, you are on top of your game. That's what I love about
1: you, man. I really do. Just like Mitch. You're not going to believe what happened to me on the way over here. Okay. I'm I'm not – I seriously – sometimes people say, oh, he's just making this stuff up. But I swear to you, I swear to you on somebody I don't know's grave, okay, Mm -hmm. that this actually happened, okay? If you are – okay, I come in Highway 40 or 64 or whatever they call it these days, and uh, I I get off on Jefferson, right? And there's always some guy there that is like – he's wanting money. He's wanting money, okay? Always, okay? And I I usually – I think I mentioned this to you before – I usually ask them to do a trick or tell me a joke or something, and they don't do it. And so this, I did not do. I was feeling very charitable. I'm not making this story up. I was feeling very charitable. So I, I just happened to have a dollar in my wallet, okay, because I had bought like one of those Powerball tickets like way back, and I don't know, I had an extra buck left over. So I, like, you know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this to the guy because it's hot outside. I need any clothes on basically. And so I give him a dollar. And he said, "And he said, he says, oh, thank you, thank you, bless you." And I said, oh, you're welcome. And I felt good about myself. And then you know what happens? I am not kidding you. He takes out these these like uh, paper, and he goes, "You want to buy a Picasso for four dollars?" And this looked like something that like a two year old had had like scrolled like on some piece of scrap paper, okay? And and at first I was taken aback, and that light there is just forever. I mean, so I mean, basically I aged, you know, next an extra year while waiting. But I was noticing, I mean, I was thinking of Hunter Biden, you know, that he, mm. Hunter Biden has actually sold stuff that I bet are not as good as this guy. And so I say to him, hey, you're the next Hunter Biden. And he, he gets angry at me. Mm. And I'm, what, I, I, that's a compliment. and I mean, Hunter Biden is making hundreds of thousands of dollars for his artwork. That is, don't call yourself a Picasso. That is, that's a Hunter Biden and he, you know, so he gave me the uh, the one-finger salute after I'd given him a dollar. And then the light turned green, and I couldn't get out because I was being blocked by uh, oncoming traffic. And But here I am. I hurtled, and uh, that's been my morning. It's been my morning, even though it's afternoon. And, you know, I'm here a long time. I know this is on Saturday evenings. But I want people to know I get here early for game time. I do. I prep. I do my stretches. I do my radio stretches. Have you're seen a radio stretch, watch. I'm doing one right now. See, this is a radio stretch. You can't see it because I'm not doing it. Oh, I'm, don't, I'm actually, don't pull something. Oh, that's but oh, that did hurt. That did hurt. Anyway, enough about me. We had a great show today. Mm-hmm. Wow, we have a pad show. Our buddy Admiral Andy. He he gets a hold of me yesterday. I don't know what fleet he's on or what ocean he's sailing on on the uh, seven seas of highways out there. But he is all. On, he, he's going back to school. It's back to school time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he showed me a picture of this, uh, this. This they're making him read. They're making Admiral Andy read. Okay, which is yeah, the, to me, I think that's oppressive. He's got to take his snorkel off to do that. Probably yeah, doesn't yeah. have a prescription mask. I don't think that's part of the course. That must be an elective. Okay, I think something like that. I'm not quite sure. But they're making they're try, they're trying to indoctrinate Admiral Andy. They're trying to tell him and make him believe. Are you ready for this? That he's a white supremacist. Can you believe it? He's standing outside the door, he's got his little lunchbox. Oh, it's a Popeye the Sailor Man lunchbox, too. That's appropriate. Admiral Andy. Should we let him in? Admiral Andy, you're all wet. You're soaking wet. Have you been just... Wait a minute. I want you to... Are you here to talk about what you sent me a little note about? I am. Let me tell you what. Yeah, you're going to... By the way, okay, it's a pleasure. You look great. You're in uniform. Okay, and so this is fantastic. I didn't know you had to wear your sailor outfit when you uh, went to school. But go ahead. Don't, don't let me talk anymore. You know,
2: funny. I, I didn't know I had to either. Anyway, um, so I decided. You know, since I retired, and I'm I'm not doing a whole You're lot. You're what retired?
1: Oh, retired? Okay. Re- retired? Sorry.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about boorat joke. A, anyway, anyway yeah. go ahead. So I. I wanted to go back to school yeah, uh, and I wanted to focus on helping veterans. So I'm going back to get my counseling degree, my master's in counseling. Hmm. Well, lo and behold, school starts this Monday and I've got my textbook and I'm doing my assignments like a good student. And I didn't know this, but I found out just from reading this book. Right. All about my white privilege.
1: Okay, now I want you to preface this, okay? Because this is not like a, like a funny ha ha part of the show. I want you. He he is literally he is holding a. Well, he's a, he's like sitting here on the counter. He's, <laughs> are the whatever we call this thing that we're working? On? What is this like a coffee table that we're working on? It's a but it's it's a book. It's a textbook from what what courses is this for one?
2: So this is the Social Work and Human Services series. Introduction to Human Services. Through the Eyes of Practice Settings.
1: Wow, that sounds like, a, you know, that, see, this is why, you know, I took dodgeball instead of something like this. <laughs> but anyway, this is an actual book that Admiral Andy has to study so that he can counsel us later in life, right. which I know I need. And this is something that in his book, he sent this passage, just read, you do know how to read because this is a college course.
2: Well, well see, the jury's still out on that. Um
1: OK. So now no, go ahead. Just, I'm just so, going to be quiet. Okay. I'm going to try because of my ADD. I don't know if I can before. I, there's no, I'm not on medication because I don't believe in that.
2: Okay. But go ahead. All right. White privilege is a social phenomenon where Caucasian members of society enjoy a distinct advantage over members of other ethnic groups. White privilege is defined as the institutionalized unearned advantage. Oh, wait. Let me say that again. Unearned advantage. And associated power of being white in a racially stratified society. I can't read anymore.
1: No, this is – no, this is like an – act. did you pay for this textbook? I did, and it was not cheap. I bet it wasn't. Now, what is the point of – I mean, I look at you, okay, and I can say Admiral Andy is not privileged, okay? (laughs) All right, I know I'm not privileged. I know Joey's not privileged. I mean, he, he doesn't even have the Hawaiian shirt on. He's just wearing a T-shirt. But I look at you and of all of us here on uh, on the, the giant studio uh, monitor that we, sh- we we don't have, you're not privileged. But go ahead. Now, what were your thoughts when you were, were, were faced with the fact that you're now white privileged?
2: So I – first of all, I laughed. Yeah. Uh, and then I started to get a little bit upset I I came from a very humble beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a military brat. You were we, an embryo, weren't you? You started yeah, as an embryo. I did. Right. I did. Okay. I, I like to consider it a parasite. However, uh, okay. Um, yeah, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. You know, it was uh, hand-me-downs after hand-me-downs. I had to work as, as soon as I, you know, was old enough to get my own job to work to help support right. the family. Mm-hmm. So I've never been giving anything. Right. Everything I have earned has been through hard work and dedication. Okay.
1: Now you're not you're not running for office here. Now no. let's just okay. So what, what when you're when you were reading this though? What did they explain to you? Why? I mean, what what were you supposed to take away from this? Were you supposed to just feel bad because this made me want to cry?
2: I'm I'm not really sure yet. To okay. be perfectly honest, okay. I just you know to be smacked with this right up A1. front. Right. Um, it's. It's no wonder, and and if anyone out there is doubting that our educational system is is trying to skew the belief system of our children, well, yeah. I mean, it's proof positive
1: you. you're a grown child, and they're making they're doing this to <laughs> right. you. I that's why I identify as plaid. Okay, <laughs> I do I identify because that has all the colors. It's all interwoven. But we're gonna we're gonna want to hear more about this okay. because we we have more to come. But right. you're, you sure are esteemed, and I love the Popeye lunchbox. It's really get, great. Get, get. Now joining us. From the kingdom, as we call it, the Coffee Kingdom. It's King Kirby. How's it going, my friend? How are things today?
3: It's going great, Todd. How about with you?
1: Oh, it's going okay. It's really, uh, it, it's actually fabulous because you know, um, there's a couple of things I, you know, I mentioned on the last show. You always have these little nuggets of, uh, I don't want to call them trivia because they're very, they're very important. My, my wife says are the most important things that she learns uh, on the show, which tells you a lot. I mean, I mean, you are top billing with with her, but uh, I also, I. I want everybody to know that we reordered our uh we, you know, once every one, whenever we run out, we reorder from discountcoffee.com. And you sent along, because we're sending down some K cups uh for my son in college, but you you snuck in a little uh, extra is some they were called like white Christmas cake. Tell us what these are because I got into the Christmas spirit. I wanted to put the Christmas tree up when I got these. What the heck are these, Kirby?
3: Well, ho, 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 Todd. I mean, you JustForCoffee know, <laughs> dot com, uh, we work very closely with a, a gentleman by the name of Santa Claus. Wow! And so, even though um, you know, we got a few days, few weeks before Christmas, uh, there's a lot of preparation that goes into uh, that magical night when he gets on his sleigh with Rudolph. And one of the things um, that many people may know is that it takes a lot of uh, coffee. Uh, to make that trip. And Santa's favorite coffee is Barney's Coffee Kitchen, and there's a blend called Santa's White Christmas.
4: Yes. Now, Barney's,
3: um, you know, they've been producing this coffee since 1995, and it's Santa's favorite coffee, and it's actually not just not a seasonal flavor. Um, did you notice, like, the coconut flavor, the nuts, the sweet caramel, and vanilla Uh, So it's really a medium roast, 100% Arabica coffee that's good year-round. And it's so popular that we offer it on discountcoffee.com 365 days a year, including Christmas. Wow. But many times the, the person that's ordering the coffee supplies actually doesn't drink coffee. Wow. They are usually given that responsibility to keep the break room stock and everybody happy and don't let the boss run out of coffee. So, you know, when they're getting that package, we don't want it to be a chore to open the, the package up and take the coffee out and put it away. Um, uh, so we always have a little special treat in that package and, uh, many times people will fight over it. It's okay. I'll, I'll get that discount coffee order. I'll, I'll open it up. You know, when that UPS guy shows up, um, you know, they're they're always surprised at what they'll find in their a little extra treat. Don't you still have the Right Mind special going on? We do. Uh, so anyone that tonight comes to discountcoffee.com and mentions Right Mind in the coupon code promotion area when you check out, you're going to get an additional 15% off for being a Right Mind listener. And that's off of any of our products, including sale and and um, we have a logo sale going on right now, buy one, get one free. And that's an exclusive offer that we don't, in 25 years, we've always had the fine print, not valid on any other offers or sales or promotions. And for right-minded listeners, we're making that exclusively available for that additional 15% off. And tonight, think about it. when we go to church tomorrow, we have a lot of discountcoffee.com um, customers that what they do is they will order coffee for their church. And we do what's called blind ship. So they'll, they'll put a little note in there and says, you know, don't put an invoice in the um, the package when the UPS shows up. And they'll make a donation to their church and, and provide, you know, coffee supplies for activities that the churches have and so forth. Because quite frankly, those coffee services that we talk about, when they do sell to churches, they will really stick it to the church. Uh, and the reason they do that is many times churches, don't have a Monday through Friday, you know, type of normal business hours. So it's more challenging for them to deliver. And so they they end up charging churches more than what really should be uh, reasonable. And so you can save uh, at Discount Coffee if you are a church and you buy your coffee supplies. Or if you attend a church and you want to make a donation, just um, make a note in the section when you check out. Please don't include an invoice, and we'll get that uh, to your local church for you.
1: That's very nice. Can you do me a favor, though? The next time somebody doesn't want to know who it's from, can you just say it's from me?
3: We can do that, Todd.
1: Okay, thank you. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thank you. That's King Kirby with uh, DiscountCoffee.com, and I'm telling you guys, you have to check it out. It's absolutely amazing. This is Todd Showalter, and you're listening to The Right Mind Show
0: along with Joey V. And sitting over in the corner, Admiral Andy. We'll be right back. Coming up next on The Right Mind Show with Todd Showalter, retired Sergeant Gary Wiegert will share some bizarre stories from his 35-plus year career as a police officer in St. Louis. Welcome back to The Right Mind Show with Todd Showalter on News Talk STL. And now a man who only needs to perform two more miracles before being declared a saint, Todd Showalter.
1: And now on the line now, Sergeant Gary Weger, he is a retired police officer from the city of St. Louis. He was also head of the, uh, the police union, I believe. Hey, Gary, how are you doing, my friend?
4: I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me on.
1: Well, I appreciate you being on. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. And one of the things that we hit on, and we ran in all the promos and stuff, because anything I talk about, nobody wants to listen to. So you're you're like the star (laughs) of the show here today. So there's a guy. Now, what is it? There's this guy. What's his name? He was running
4: for. Okay, it's Mike. Okay. So he wanted to be chief of police, and that's Mike Sack.
1: Mike Sack. And
4: I've known Mike a long time. I used to consider him a friend. Yeah. And uh, then he kind of rose up through the ranks of the police department real quick, and he got on that pension board. And if you're on that pension board and you kind of give in to what the city wants, it kind of helps with your promotion process okay. with investments and whatnot. So he kind of flew through the ranks, and then he was up for the chief uh, police uh, position. Right. And so the list comes out and I believe he was number one. But then uh, Tashara Jones, who, you know, when Tashara, she might as well start giving out money in lawsuits because the stuff she says is unbelievable. True, I mean, so she's. Yeah. Well, look at her. Look at her dad. Her dad called the slave catchers for crying out loud. I I tell you, where you
1: know,
4: we're coming from with all this nonsense. But she comes out and she said there's no diversity on the applicants. And she redid the process. Okay. And so when we redid the process, uh, she picked a guy named uh, Chief Tracy. And he come from um, Maryland, somewhere in Maryland. Right. And so then uh, Mike Sack got knocked out as chief on this process after he had already taken the process once. Right. So he's suing, and I believe he's suing because um, he says it was because he was, you know, a reverse discrimination type because he's white. Right. But the crazy thing about it is the guy they replaced him with is white. Wow. So this makes absolutely no sense. I really don't even understand the basis of the lawsuit.
1: So he's he okay, so he's uh, okay, so uh, Dick Tracy, who is also a comic book character. Right? Is that, <laughs> yes. Okay. He he's white, we know that, okay? Yes. And so and yes. and he's hired as chief of police, okay? And and, and so Mike is, is suing because
4: a white guy wasn't hired. Correct. It's so okay. straight. Now, this is a this is a, a, a funny thing, too. So his a lawyer is a very good lawyer, a Mike Sex lawyer mm-hmm. and that's Lynette Petruska. Right. And she's defended me on stuff when I had some internal uh, uh, affairs complaints on me. I've used to let – she's an excellent attorney. But I think the advantage people have is – if you're going to sue the city of St. Louis, uh, they got the city councilors defending the city of St. Louis, and they're they're like playing against the JV. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So uh, Lynette's a very good attorney, but the whole thing is just so ridiculous. Well, now that as- you would sue over race, and the guy they replace you with is white, right. it really doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Well, now does. I mean, and I'm just going to ask you because you're, you know, his former friend or our, we a friend. Does does Mike know that he's white? I mean, because it's kind of it seems to, <laughs> it seems to me like uh, it, there's some confusion there. I would say, hey, if I were, not only that, because we have Adam Landy on the show today too, who's studying counseling. I would say, Mike. You got to look in the mirror, buddy. You're white. And the guy you know, hired is white. This is really not making sense. It's a little embarrassing if you ask me. I mean, is he aware I, I, of the but, whole
4: situation? <laughs> I think so. Now, you might not know it, but Mike came to fame over the um, let's see. What was that? The, the exclusionary list. Do you remember what that yes, was? Yes,
1: certain people, could they wouldn't prosecute. The, if they were on the list, right, they wouldn't even look at their uh, arrest, would they?
4: Right, and then these lawyers would take it to court, and every one of them would be thrown out. Now, there were uh, something like 30 30 or 40 policemen who were – now, this was all a secret list.
1: Yeah, but you're going to tell
4: us. Well, Kim Gardner Gardner sent the list over to Mike Sack, and then Mike Sack compiled this list. And then he would notify these police officers saying, hey, your cases are no longer uh, – what's the word? They're going to be dropped. Dropped. And you cannot apply for the warrants on these. Wow. And so Mike went right along with it. I think he thought he was going to ride that horse and become chief by by working with Kim Gardner. Yeah, Which really, in reality, what he should have done was defended his men. Yeah. And he did not do that. And so I think he threw his men under the bus. And that's really why I lost respect for Mike Sack yeah, when so, he did that.
1: So he was just playing the game, right? Just kind of go along. With right. He, just, he was he just, kind of- just
4: trying to make everybody happy. Go yeah. along, get to be chief, oh, yeah. and then you oh, get the the salary and the amount of money and your pension yeah. increase and everything. And this is the trouble with Mike. He's been kind of a go along to get along type guy. Oh. And, you know, at, at some point you have to defend your mind.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's what we always, I, you know, I tell Joey that here on the show. He better defend me if, you know, they come after me, which they usually do after the show, by the way. Well, not, now you, I mean, you, enough about Mike, because apparently he doesn't know what color he is or what color the uh, new chief of police is, who happens to be white. Anyway, but you were a, um, how long were you a
4: St. Louis cop? So I was a police officer for 35 years in the mm-hmm. city of St. Louis. I was, uh, let's see, I guess uh, 18 of it. Uh, was uh, a patrolman, I think maybe 18, 17 was a sergeant, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I did that for, uh, uh, you know, 35 years. I was on the street uh, pretty much the whole time. Mm-hmm. I did a little undercover stuff, but not much. So, and then I was, um, and then I got involved in the police association. And I became president of that organization. I was president six years, and I was a board member for about 18 years. I won something like eight or nine elections, so I was very proud of that. Mm-hmm. And then when I retired, I got on the pension board. I won that election by my membership and I'm uh, very proud of that. So I, I've been able to win elections. So I, I think I have the respect of the men. Um, but sure. I just, uh, the trouble is when you get involved in these organizations like this, you end up running afoul of like the city and the police department
2: yeah, and
4: well. uh, organizations like that. Because you, if you just knuckle under, uh, you're just a go along, get along type guy.
1: Right. And there's what, just like a lot of red tape and bureaucracy, you got to like play the game, don't you? Like, you know, and it sounds to me like, you know, you were out for what's best, right? I mean, is is that what
4: I'm hearing you say? I, I believe so. I, I try, I try to get what was best for my membership. Um, and same with the pension. I try to do what was best for our pension. Yeah. Try to make it fiscally sound and still, uh, and still get out the benefits to the guys. And so even when I was on the, um, uh, uh, even when I was president of the police association, I, I had gotten a bill passed. I had attached it to another bill, and that got got us an additional 5% when we retire onto our pension. Okay. So I had worked pretty hard for benefits for people. Um, for, for 40 years, we tried to get recognized as a union, and we couldn't do it. I had cut a deal with a uh, one of the police board members, and we were recognized for the first time. Um, part of the deal was I, I, I agreed that we wouldn't seek fair share. Do you know what fair share is? No, I don't. What is that? So fair share is uh, when you join the union, uh, everyone has to join and they automatically take your money whether you want to belong or not. Mm-hmm. I was against fair share. I think that's wrong. If you've got to forcibly have people join your organization, I think you got a troubled organization. Right, yeah. It's like my ARP card. I quit that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Go. And, you know, you are you are right on it. They force you to join. So I was against that. I'm only 12. Um, I got kind of ran over on it. And then they force these guys. They have to pay the dues, even though they don't want to belong. And, you know, we have an organization in the police department that's uh, the Ethical Society, which is a black organization. Yeah. And most of those guys join the police association, but some don't. And if they don't want to join, uh, you know, that to me, that was fine with me. I I really don't want your money. Yeah. Sure. But they forced them to join. But, you know, we had the, so we had the ruling, the Janus ruling, not the I believe that was out of Pennsylvania. And that ruled that uh, uh, if you're the uh, FBI or one of these other organizations that are collectively bargaining, um, they can no longer take your money if you're a government worker. The union can no longer forcibly take your money out of your check. Yeah. Okay. So that made a big difference in the in the way uh, the unions force you to force you basically extract money from people who don't want to belong. Yeah, well, that's but a, still, I I felt like that was a good thing that I accomplished at the time. I now I look back on it and wonder. Well,
1: but yeah. um,
4: but you know at the time. Still, it was. Yeah,
1: at the time it sounded good, and that's right. That's right, and that's what you're doing. You're living in the. You know, that, that times change. Well, I mean, speaking of times yes. changing, let me ask you that. I mean, it's, I mean, I talk to people in other cities and they think, you know, by living in St. Louis, I'm like in Beirut or something like that. What, I mean, <laughs> what is the deal? Why? I mean, why? Yeah, say right now, say like you're not only are you the you're the chief of police, say you're the mayor. What do we have to do from a police standpoint? To kind of, to, to to kind of, what do we have to do to like, you know, to, to to get rid of like all this crime that's going on, especially up on the north side? I mean, do you have any solutions?
4: Well, you know what? Because you you brought exactly. I just recently went on went on vacation, traveled mm-hmm. across country, and you just talk to people. You know, when when you when you get your little breakfast, you know, at the hotels before you leave, and people find out you're from St. Louis, and their jaws drop. Yeah. I mean, they're like, what is going on there with all this craziness and then the Michael Ferguson stuff and yeah. everything else? And to, to fix our police department, um, we have a. I, so, my understanding is I've, now, this is what I've heard. I've got no proof of it, mm-hmm. but I heard they are down in St. Louis City to 950 policemen. Wow. Okay. And so, when I came on, we had a, 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 probably about 21 or 2200. Wow. And that was in 1980. Yeah. Now, granted, our population has dropped in half, but I don't think the crime has dropped. So no. I think the number of victims have left, but the, the, the criminals and the suspects seem to have stayed in pretty big numbers. Did you see the fair we had at the uh, Justice Center just this week?
1: Yes. Tell a little bit about that, Are because you, what a, a guard was beaten and, and what the the inmates were yelling about wanting like uh, fish sticks or something like. Oh, well, go ahead. You tell the story.
4: <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is right up your alley because you have a great sense of humor and I've seen your oh, cartoons. Oh. And but the, so a 70 year old uh, prison guard is handing out bread, which I, I don't understand it. Maybe they get bread on breaks or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like the old French prisons—they give you some bread and water. I don't know, but the uh, (laughs) no soup for you. But 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 he's handing this out, and he gets attacked by uh, some of the prisoners. And it says here, let's see—I saw the uh, the police. uh, It wasn't the police report, but it's their like little after-action incident. And it's it says his weapons he got attacked with were brooms, cords, and metal objects. Now this is a seventy-year-old man. Wow. And they, he got a, he got a jaw injury, an eye injury, and a concussion. And I, I saw on, on the news they were taking him out in a gurney eventually. Yeah. But they were holding him hostage. And here's the, this, this, this to me is just what is going on in St. Louis. What were their demands? You know, this isn't like Cool Hand Luke where, uh, you know, the, the prisoners are trying to escape or get better conditions. They wanted more pizza and they yeah. wanted more chicken. I mean, what kind of madness is that? You hold a guy hostage for pizza?
1: So even the even the, 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 the even the prisoners have lost it. I mean, I mean, I, I no, I know. I mean, what's up is down, is down is up. I mean, is it, total. This the city is just totally backwards. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's in, uh, insane. I'm stuttering. I'm
4: so <laughs> we confused. A, we we hey, we had a perfectly good prison at the workhouse. And, you know, the workhouse made the city money because they would house federal prisoners there. It just wasn't our local prisoners. It was federal prisoners. Yeah. And they overpay for them, too. So this thing actually made us money to house these people. And they closed it. And so what did they want to – yeah, they closed it. And have you seen what they want to do with it? They Uh, want to make it a dog park. A dog park. (laughs) They want to make it a place for dog rescue. I mean, this, I mean, you cannot make up how crazy this has become. Do you remember when they had the last riot at the Justice Center?
1: Yeah, and they were, like, dropping, like, their laundry and lawn equipment and uh, power tools or something out the window and grandmothers. No, no, but they were dropping all these things out the
4: window, weren't they? Yeah, they were throwing the furniture out the window, yes. breaking the glass. And and you they and everyone for asked, that. how about when they asked, hey, um, how did these guys all get out of their cells? And that's when we found out, remember, Judge Jimmy Edwards came up and says, well, the locks don't work. Now, I mean, how could you have a jail where the locks don't work? Only in St. Louis. You can't make that up. How could the locks not work? And What's the point of having a jail if the locks don't work?
1: Can you imagine the Andy Griffin show. It's like, like, how did the, how did Otis get out?
4: Well, Andy, you know we don't
1: have any locks that work here in Mayberry. No, it's insane.
4: Yeah, remember that they used to hang the the the, uh, the key on the ring right. right outside the cell, and Otis would let himself out. Yeah, that's that's what's kind of going on there now. I've even got a funnier story, real quick. So you know, when they let you go out the door, you know they, they give you your uh, you know you might make bond or you go out on your own recognizance. Ever well, since they had a woman. Yeah, I was going to say ever a since woman, Grandma. She walked out, but didn't go out the main door. She walked through the emergency door out the, to the stairs. Well, those stairs don't open to the outside because it's a jail. So she got stuck in them stairs for like twenty four hours. Oh, and finally somebody heard her knocking, and they opened the door, and here's this woman they had released the day before. Wow. She went out through the wrong door and never could get out. Could you imagine if they would have like found her a couple of days later and should have been dead? That would have I been. I mean, this is the crazy stuff that goes on down there.
1: Well, Gary, it's been a pleasure. I can't wait for our next chat. In the meantime, I want you to go out there and keep the streets of retirement safe. And uh, until next time, thank you very much, my friend. You bet. Keep up that good sense of humor. All right, buddy. Take care. That's Gary. Right. Gary, Gary Wiegert with us. Uh, Sergeant Gary Wiegert, retired. I tell you what, he's got some stories. I know a couple other people that were uh, friends of mine that were cops, not because they arrested me or anything, but just uh, they they have some stories to tell also. And it's just amazing. I mean, I just don't understand how you're putting your life out there on the line for people. That's your job, you know, and to not be supported. I mean, to me, that's just deplorable. So I don't really get it. You're listening to Right Mind with Todd Showalter and my buddy, Joey V. And sitting back with his lunchbox, Admiral Andy. We'll be right back
0: after this. Take it, Mitch. Coming up next on The Right Mind Show with Todd Showalter, we find out who won and who lost the first Republican debate with political trivia savant Rich Rabino. Welcome back to The Right Mind Show with Todd Showalter on News Talk STL, and now a man who became a cartoonist because everyone described him as kind of sketchy Todd Showalter. And we're back! Oh my gosh, that Mitch! I tell you what, you know, I think he's. Did you hear that? Mitch is going
1: to add add some more people to the band. I think he's going to have like a a tambourine player because you can't get you know like uh, who was the guy? Christopher Walken. You can't get enough cowbell. Well, I think uh, uh, Mitch over here, he says you can't get enough tambourine. So we're going to be adding that. Great job, Mitch! Keep practicing though. You can work on a street corner here faster than you know it. Uh, You know what? I don't know why that reminded me that music, that festive music that Mitch does. But it always reminds me of doing things around the house. (laughs) No, it really doesn't. Nothing ever reminds me of that. But because if I did have something to do around the house, I wouldn't even do it, Joey. You know, I I wouldn't do it. You got a guy? I do. I do have a guy. I got a guy. Yeah. Rick Bernstein of the Bernstein Remodelers. And I got to tell you, if he needs anything done around the house, whether it's a room addition, something fixed, if you need some electrical work, plumbing, I mean, they've got everything covered for you. He's, uh, he's, he's, I've known the guy for 20 years, by the way. And I, as you know, it's hard for anybody to say that they know me for 20 years. Usually it's 20 seconds and boom, I don't, I've never heard of Todd. But not Rick. He admits that he knows me. We've known each other for 20 years. He's a second generation contractor. That means his dad was a contractor. And everybody that he hires to work with him, he personally makes sure that they're fully trained, knowledgeable and polite. Okay. Works all over the St. Louis area. And I urge you, if you have anything to do around the home, or if you want an addition, or you need something built, or even a wall relocated, which I never knew they did, you got to call Rick Burstein at the Burstein Remodelers. And again, if you have any plumbing or electrical work, or if anything breaks down, I don't know if they build, like, uh, I don't know, if, if, if they build tunnels or anything like that. Because I've always wanted a really neat tunnel in my backyard, but I don't think he does that.
0: Oh, yeah, like the gangsters in their speakeasy, so it, they could get out when the cops came in the front door.
1: Exactly. But if I did want to build a tunnel, I know I would have Rick at the Bursting Remodelers. And I want you to, too. Oh,
0: 222.
1: Two. If you want to get a hold of Rick and you need anything done around the house, give him a call right now at 314-324-3024. Voice went up there a little bit just for, uh, you know, the heck of it. That's 314-324-3024. And now, one of my all-time favorite guests, because that's how I always introduce him. He knows everything about politics and more. My buddy Rich Rabino, the official right mind commentator. How you doing, Rich? Doing well, Todd. Thank you so much for having me on again. Well, I wanted to have you on because on Wednesday we had the big debate, <laughs> yeah. the big Republican debate. And yeah. if there's anybody, I mean, because I always tell, you know, people come up to me and say, hey, you want me to tell you what I think about the debate? I go, no, I really don't know because your opinion doesn't matter. But Rich, yours does. What did you? What was your takeaway from this big first Republican uh, debate that we had?
5: Yeah, well, the obvious answer is the opening in the room, um, I guess, that Donald Trump did not show up. And I think that obviously benefits him. The fact that usually, if you're so far ahead as Donald Trump is right now, any sort uh, you can you can basically only lose by showing up because you're going to have every, all the other eight candidates would all be spending most of the normal amount of their time going after you, going after the front runner, and the front runner being there. Many would have to be punching down because you'd have Donald Trump, you know, arguing with Asa Hutchinson or Doug Berger or people that are one or two percent in the polls. It just benefits him. And he probably will get some he'll get some criticism people say, wasn't he there?" But the fact of the matter is maybe he'll, he'll lose two or three points, but it's but he it really is not that big of a deal. He's at you know fifty percent right now in the polls the Republican primary voters, so it definitely benefits him cost benefit calculus there just simply not to attend the debate and um and take any criticism about about that among the candidates who were there. Uh, it was interesting. Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, somebody who had very little name recognition at the beginning of this campaign, is now in some polls in second or third place. In, in third place, and I think that he presented a counter a programming narrative in the Republican Party, specifically on foreign policy. Right. Most other candidates, most other candidates were pretty much presenting a hawkish view when it comes to Ukraine. He was basically saying the opposite: that if he was in, he would negotiate a ceasefire between Ukraine. And Russia, you start seeing other candidates essentially going after him for that, and just the fact that they were, the fact that they spent so much time going after him is going to increase his name recognition. More people are going to go, at, more people are going to try to figure out who he is. And um, he's kind of a, he may be a flash in the pan, but the fact of the matter is, he's someone had very little name recognition. Now he has a lot of name recognition, very similar to I think Pete Buttigieg last time.
1: Yeah, you know one of the things that my takeaway is because I, you know, I have, a, I mean, I've heard a lot about him. This, this is the first if I've had, is what you're uh, asking. Well, how do you pronounce his last name? Ramaswamy? <laughs> okay, Ramaswamy, yeah, Ramaswamy. Okay, I'm a great guy, and he's got a lot of stuff that I agree with. Okay, it just it, I was waiting to, yeah, you know, I wanted to hear what he had to say. One thing takeaway I got just from from not really knowing too much about him, he did come across as a little. I, I don't snarky, a little immature in some ways yeah, that yeah. I think may have hurt him for somebody that didn't really know him before. What did you kind of take that away from it also?
5: Yeah, I, I, I certainly, he did get off a little supercilious in the respect that if you listen to when he first began the first question, sometimes he would answer a question and he'd say, I'm not a politician, but then he would do what most politicians do, which is essentially deflect and not answer the question directly and go off and give the talking points. For example, when he began um, the first question when you began by saying, "Well, you know the real question is what 's the skinny guy doing up here?" Um, that was obviously something that was pre planned and that is something that every candidate does. You try to pre-plan certain lines, but I like, think sometimes he could come off a little bit pro- a little bit programmed, um, but I think he was probably flattered by the fact that so many candidates were actually spending the time to go after him and not to go after Ron DeSantis. Remember, there were polls earlier this year that showed Ron DeSantis actually with a slight lead over Donald Trump. In this debate, he was almost inconsequential. Um, he would, when he, when he, when he got up and he would speak, he would kind of deliver his talking points and other candidates wouldn't go after him. Instead of going after someone who had probably a 1% name recognition at the beginning of the year, um, which I think shows the way that he has certain certain degrees caught fire, and also the fact that he's somebody who has a counter-message to every other Republican That's something that I think appeals specifically to the libertarian wing of the Republican Party, but also I think to certain – I also think to certain kind of movement-type conservatives. For example, he was the one who said right directly, he said that basically climate change is a hoax, which is something that is a talking point that you hear oftentimes on conservative talk radio. So I think he's definitely appealing to kind of the conservative intelligentsia, if you will. But one thing he did say – which I thought was really kind of amazing, was he said that if, he's, if he gets nominated, it's going to be a landslide, that he's going to win in a landslide. And I kept thinking to, I'm thinking to myself, we're such a divided country right now. How is anybody at a presidential race going to win a presidential race in a landslide? Whoever wins the next presidential election, it's probably going to be a razor-close election. I don't know how he thinks he's going to have this multi-ethnic, multi-racial coalition, um, we're just we're not at this point we're so bifurcated right now, but obviously that was a talking point and um obviously, you know I guess he's given himself a mandate that if he does somehow win the nomination, he's somehow going to win you know forty states, but I just don't see how that could possibly happen
1: yeah, I agree too and one of the things I did notice, and i 'm not just going to talk about him though is uh you know Christie came after him um with yep. an Obama comment, like say you know, I, and he, you know, he 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 took that almost as a compliment, i thought and i i didn't really understand why he was to me, I mean, it was like it was almost like a popularity type thing. And um, I wouldn't have taken the, the Obama comparison as such a compliment. Um, I could see, you know, just from his age and youth and, you know, just, you know, not being part of the swamp, so to speak, at that, at that point, I should say. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of uh, surprised about that. Now, some of the other guys, I mean, you had like, uh, again, we, we mentioned Christie, who I really don't understand why he's even there. We had Pence that, you know, really brought up the whole spiritual aspect do you think that there's anybody that hurt themselves by their performance last Wednesday?
5: Uh, well, I think Chris Christie, part of it is he also has a, him and Asa Hutchinson and another candidate who wasn't there, Bill Hurt, also have the counter-programming narrative that they have a different vision of what Republicanism is. I think that's basically, if you look at the polls, by the way, in New Hampshire, in some polls, he's essentially tied or a little bit past. Um, governor DeSantis in new hampshire so that's a, the a message that i think is catching fire with certain constituencies basically republicans who do not like donald who do not like donald trump he's become kind of their tribune if you will so i think that's basically why he's in the race in terms of the other candidates i think tim scott probably hurt himself because generally i think if you're boring you're probably not winning a debate and there's really nothing memorable that i think anyone can think of from tim scott and tim scott is somebody who i think a lot of members Specifically, the Republican establishment, folks like John Thune, the number two Republican in the United States Senate, said this guy is so charismatic. Once you see this guy kind of in a debate stage, people are just going to be almost um, almost immersed with him, almost entranced by him. I mean, he is a very good speaker generally, but he really didn't present anything um, that I think is going to be memorable. And I also think that I also think uh, Governor Doug Burgum, who I think really needed some sort of a knockout just to get whether it's name recognition or whatever it is, so that he can get into future debates because he's really kind of on the fringe and he's at, the least very, he's at about 1% in the polls right now. Part of this was because he hurt his ankle playing basketball um, the day of the debate, which probably shows you're probably not a very good, not a very good advice is to go do physical activity before you have a have presidential debate. But I don't think there's anything that he really said that was That was memorable or anything that would really present Um, anything that would really have have Republican voters going to kind of Google him and figure out who this, you know, governor of this really small state is. So they probably hurt themselves. But I think Asa Hutchinson probably um, really did not say anything necessarily that was memorable, except for the fact that him and Chris Christie were the only candidates who said that they would not support Donald Trump if he were the nominee. And he also presented something that no other Republican, including Chris Christie presenting, Basically, that there is some constitutional scholars who believe that it would be constitutionally impermissible for a president to serve under the Fourteenth Amendment for essentially um, based on the insurrection clause, and that's something I think. I think that obviously, I mean, whether that's true or not, that's obviously for constitutional scholars to decide. But I think he brought that up, and um, he, he brought that up certainly when he was interviewed afterward as well. But that's really the only thing he's probably going to be remembered for. But I think basically it was Vivek Ramaswamy it was Mike Pence. And Mike Penn specifically, you talk about how he was being spiritual. Part of that is because the, the Iowa Republican Party is different than, say, the New Hampshire Republican Party, the Nevada Republican Party. Because in Iowa, there is a very, very formidable evangelical Christian constituency. That's why Mike Huckabee, for example, an evangelical former governor of Arkansas, won the Iowa caucuses in 2008. Rick Santorum in 2012, who appealed to the who appealed to social conservatives, he won them in 2012. Mike Pence knows that his strategy. The only way, if they, you know, it's a very slim um, chance he has for the nomination. The only way he's going to do that, he's going to have to win Iowa, and then he's because he's probably not going to do very well in New Hampshire. He's not going to do well in um, in other states that have a more secular constituency. So he's going all out for the uh, for the for the evangelical constituency.
1: Yeah, well, going back to Desantis, you mentioned he, you know, he. I think he was a little put out in some ways. I mean, that I think he wanted to be part of, uh, you know, the show more than he was when he did come to the tape. I mean, I, I liked the the, the one. Uh, instance where they were asked uh, to uh, you know hold up their hand if they agreed with something, and he pretty much just yep. shut that down and said we're not we're not school children here we're not going to play games. I mean, do you think he and, and do you think he won any points? I thought he had the most uh, out of everybody there from a leadership standpoint. I think he pretty much uh, you know he, he he was successful in doing that. What are your thoughts?
5: Yeah, and I, I actually remember when he did that. I remember Fred Thompson did this back in. Uh, to this, back when he was running for president in 2007, he got applauded from the crowd. He says, no, do hand games," is what he said at the time. Um, I think that I think in terms of Ron DeSantis, I think that he probably would have been a lot, he would have benefited more actually if more candidates had excoriated him, attacked him. But they've almost treated him as a non-entity in many respects, which shows fall, how, which shows how how much he's fallen. Um, as I say, at the beginning of this year, everyone would have been going after Ron DeSantis. He was actually in some polls he was the front runner. He was ahead of Donald Trump. Now in New Hampshire, Chris Christie is actually pulled a little bit ahead of him. The one line that I think he does have, which I think, he's used, which I think he uses a lot, he says, "Well, he said I just, you know, he talked talk about electability. He talked about how the possibility for running for president, he could be that he could be elected. He says I just won the biggest, the biggest landslide of any Florida governor, of any Republican Florida governor in the state's history, which is true. It's also the biggest." The biggest victory of any governor since Bob Graham in 1982, running for reelection, and that's something that I think he needs to continue to continue to continue to talk about because um, because a lot of a lot of voters that are considering Donald Trump, that may even like Donald Trump, think that he has a ceiling and that he cannot get over that ceiling. And that um, it would be very unlikely for Donald Trump to attract any new voters. They might see Ron DeSantis. This is how I would present it. I would say, I barely won re-election, less than one 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 governor of Florida, less than seventy-two thousand votes. I run for re-election. I got the biggest landslide of any Republican in the history of the state. This shows my electability. This shows that if I'm if I'm if I'm the nominee of the Democratic Republican Party, I can appeal essentially to a broad cross-section of constituencies. Donald Trump, on the other hand, can only appeal to his base, and he can't appeal to anything more. That's, I think, probably from a pure, cold, calculated, hard-boiled um, view of just who, in terms of winning, in terms of people who just want to have a victory over everything else. That's probably a um, that that's, that's probably a, um, a a winning message for him.
0: Okay. Well going back to Donald Trump,
1: he said it before and uh you know, I, I began to wonder it myself last night. He said he, you know, one of the things that he was just looking for is uh who is gonna audition to be his uh running mate. Do you think anybody on the yes. stage last night um I don't know, qualified themselves for that position?
5: Uh I think not necessarily for the position, but I think in terms of being in the conversation, and that was probably Vivek Ramaswamy, in part because um his because well he certainly praised He certainly praised Donald Trump more than any other candidate. He said he was the greatest president of the 21st century. And in terms of foreign policy, he's really the only candidate when it comes to the Ukraine who has a very similar message, a somewhat non-interventionist view. And he also did something that Donald Trump didn't back in 2015, which is very unorthodox in the Republican Party. He criticized George W. Bush. He criticized him for going into Iraq. He criticized the, the military intervention in Afghanistan and Iraq that's a very similar constituency and it's really something that without Donald Trump there um, he had all to himself essentially most other candidates with someone in the middle but other than that all the other candidates seem to have a very hawkish view on the on the Ukraine um they all continue to say that they wanted to continue to support to fund them whereas you know obviously Vivek Ramaswamy said we need to have a ceasefire um and also sent also talked about the idea of essentially putting the troops putting our troops on the Mexican border rather than essentially, and it would essentially say that he would would basically be off the table for sending them abroad to that that respect. So that's something that he's, I don't think he, I mean, I think he's still thinking it would be a long shot for Donald Trump actually to pick him, but he's probably the only person that I think really put his good graces in in respect to Donald Trump. In terms of Ron DeSantis, um, interestingly, he probably could not become Donald Trump's running mate because they're from the same state, and it's a constitutional provision that electors in a state Cannot elect um, both a president and a vice president from the same state. Now, theoretically, Trump could move back to New York, the way Dick Cheney back in back in 2000 moved from Texas to back to Wyoming, where he had us where he had a summer house in his former um his former residence. But I think DeSantis probably um, that ship's probably sailed by the fact that DeSantis is running this time around. Has gone after Trump. He might have been better off if he were looking for that to not run this time around and then try to run in 2028 and be potentially the heir, if you will, or the progeny um, to the Donald Trump mega um, constituency now. He's essentially, if he doesn't win this time around, um, I think by 2028 the mega pe- mega people will certainly not look at him. They'll look at him as an as an the antithesis of Donald Trump, not somebody that would be an addendum or an additive to Donald Trump.
1: Does Donald Trump join in on the fun next time around?
5: I don't think so. I don't think it's in his interest unless it gets to the point where he's essentially – um, where where somebody actually has a fighting chance of defeating him right now. I think he takes any criticism he's going to have. He's going to criticism. Chris Christie's going to say essentially he's a chicken, he's a coward. Why doesn't he show up to debate me? Why is he afraid of me? And Donald Trump's probably saying, well, you know what? I may take criticism for that. Maybe I will lose a couple points, but the fact of the matter is, it's a lot better losing points this way than going there and having going through a debate, having eight other people all attacking me the whole time. Um, and then and plus it also the other thing it does. It puts him on the same stage as opposed to right now. I think he's seen as elevated as a former president. When he's in the same stage as governors and senators, he doesn't have the elevation. He's just one of nine potential people that are on that um, that are on that are on that debate stage. So I would say, in his political cold calculated interest, um, I would say he probably will say, "I'm going to stay. I'm, gonna, I'm essentially going to stay out of it." Will he go into any debates? I don't know, but he certainly be- benefits from not. For, he benefits from not attending the debate and let the other candidates go out for each other. <laughs>
1: okay, if people want to reach you, okay, again, you've got books out, all kinds of stuff. Just All you have to do is just Google Rich Rabino or go to Amazon for any of your uh, wonderful books that you have out there. Just uh, put in your name, right, for the trivia books and everything else that you you're, you have out there. I encourage people to go. Or do you have something new out Yeah. Anything
5: new? Yeah, because, well, no, that's the last book, but you can also go. I have a website, richrabino.com, Rich, You can go to Facebook, and... Uh, you can find Rich Rubino that way, but the great, the newest book from about a year ago is Great American Political Trivia Challenge, Political Trivia on Steroids.
1: That's a fantastic book, too, and uh, I I have personally read it, and I've given it away as a gift. Not that personal one. I actually have another one I did. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Rich, as always. I appreciate you being here, and we're going to be hearing a lot from you in the coming months. So take care, my friend. Categorically. Can't wait. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. That's Richard Bino. He brings so much credibility to the show, Joey. I mean, he actually makes it sound like we're like a real show here. And that's going to do it for me. This is Todd Showalter with Right Mind Show along with Joey V, who's always a pleasure to be with, and Admiral Andy, who joined us today on his way home from school. As I always say, thank you for joining us. And if you don't have a right mind, you don't have a mind at all. Here's Mitch to take it
0: away. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Right Mind Show with Todd Showalter. To find out about all things Todd, go to studiotodd.com. We will see you next Saturday night at 5 p.m. right here on 1019 newstalk News Talk STL and always streaming online at newstalkstl.com.